Whether it's because of layoffs, redundancy, or personal choice, many people are starting over in their careers. Now imagine starting over thousands of miles from home, in a new country, a new language. Tatiana Dudnik was a businesswoman from Ukraine when she stepped off of an airplane in Canada 20 years ago. She's now Director of Technology at the Project Management Office at CIBC in Toronto. Tatiana is also on the leadership team of the Toronto chapter of Elevate, a worldwide network of professional women. There's so many talented women, but how do we help them shorten that time to get to the leadership? Because it took me a few years, like I guess 20 years from the time when I landed and here. Can we do it faster? How can I share that knowledge, that wisdom? On this episode of Run It Like a Girl, Tatiana tells us about the importance of leaders surrounding themselves with diverse thinking teams. For me, every one of them who work for me, they are future CEOs. They're smarter than, better than I am, and they bet they should be, because I'm only managing, they're actually doing. I try to hire people not like me, because I think I'm a lot, and I need somebody who is not like me. Variety and diversity is important to me. I want to hear and see them, and they need to be different because I don't want the same opinion. And Tatiana talks about how women tend to undervalue their skills and are often hesitant about applying for a job that they aren't 100% qualified for. Why would I apply for a job that I'm 100% qualified? Unless, I'm, of course, I'm jobless and I need to put food on the table. How long will I last? I'm probably going to last months, two or three, and after that, I want to do something else. Like, you're not doing yourself a favor if you're looking at that that way. You go and thinking, oh my God, I have no idea. I'm so excited about this job. I know I can do it. I have no idea how, but I'll figure <laughs> it out. That's, that's how you should be looking for your next opportunity. At least that's my recipe, and I guess so far it's been working for me. Tatiana Dudnik on this episode of Run It Like a Girl. So here we are. It's another day in paradise in rural Ontario in the midst of the 2020-2021 pandemic. And I'm so excited because uh, I've had the opportunity to meet uh, new people over the year through a wonderful organization called Elevate. And one of those people are here today to be interviewed. Tatiana Dudnik, thank you so much for joining us for an episode. Oh, thank you for having me, Bonnie. I'm so excited. You know, I'm really excited too, and and we actually, we had a conversation only maybe a few weeks ago, just not nothing to do with the podcast, but it was so nice to talk with you and connect, and uh, I'm just glad this really worked out. So we'll just jump right in. So you're currently, right now, your role is Director Technology PMO at CIBC, which is a one of the large Canadian banks. I would love to know if you can tell us a little bit about your background and how you decided that you wanted a career in technology. Yes, that's a great question. I don't think I decided to have a career in technology. I think that career happened to me. Um, At the same time, I do have background in math and computer science. So frankly, I never thought that would be working in technology. But I was good with math and that was my favorite subject. Uh, Logic kind of spoke to me and I said, okay, Back in Ukraine, where I'm from, and during Soviet Union time, there were only a few paths you can really take. So, math it is. So, I graduated and then started to ask myself a question. 
what does it really mean to be a graduate of math and computer science uh, right now in a dot-com era when everything fell apart, when you just wake up and there is no country anymore, and there's something else. And uh, I just couldn't picture myself sitting and coding uh, behind the screen or just solving some theoretical problems. I needed to know how it all works. And guess what? Uh, somebody invited me to co-found um, a company that uh, would train adults in how to use computers, how to code, how to make them computer savvy. Um, that was exciting. So that's where actually during that time businesses started to pop up and there was a huge need in people retool themselves so companies would invest in per personally people would invest in learning how to use computers learning how to code it it, it was exciting really exciting and uh, then after some time after a couple of years i moved to canada and i started all over um interesting fact that normally people with my background would go and become qas or coders kind of an easy path and you know it's the beginning of uh, 2000 and uh, i decided that i need to go into customer service i think that was just culture shock or maybe just a great genius plan i don't know so i decided to go into customer service but i actually joined um Rogers, which is a huge technology company, and I started working front lines, trying to understand how customers actually use that technology. It was fascinating for me. I used to teach, um, you know, about servers, about networks, and all of a sudden now I get to see how it all works. And uh, slowly I moved through roles. I started to learn about know technology how it all works how it works on the back end uh, got into analytics I just figured how difficult could it be really okay let me figure out how to pull the data from the databases and that's how it all became a position where I am today I'm, I moved through a couple of industries and I ended up leading a hundred million dollar portfolio right now uh, with about 20-25 people um, in my team. And that's an exciting, exciting time. That's amazing. It's an amazing story that you have. And I like how you talk about, you know, um, the company that you co-founded and, and, and trying to kind of retrain people and, and back in, in the Ukraine and, and what an experience that must have been. Um, it's interesting now because I know we talk a lot at, at my work about uh, the new world of work. And even what now people need to be retrained on in terms of, you know, job elimination and how people can reskill to be part of the, the future of, of work. Um, so I, I think that's very interesting. And I'd love to ask you, um, how do you bring all of the stuff that you did in that company and, and, and training and stuff like that to your role today? Do you still leverage some of the skills? Yes. And it's interesting that I'm very involved in rolling out work from home solution I actually support contact centers my portfolio support contact centers and uh, even today we're doing a massive massive shift to uh, work from home and uh, it was an exciting ride to put out a lot of new technologies but I would say the way I approach it I always approach is how I'm gonna use it my question is what does it mean 
What does it mean to work from home? What does it mean to use this technology? What does it mean to have MS Teams on 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 your desktop? That's how I build. That's how I lead. Um, for me, uh, tech is just a tool that anybody can use. It's a question how we want to use it. And I've been always fascinated with uh, consumer journey or client journey. For me, like every time I rally up my team and say, so what does it mean? You want to create this uh, this interesting solutions what does it really mean for a person who's going to use it and i think that's what drives success and actually that's the key to build anything um for for consumers and build anything for home you have to think how people are going to use it how they're going to adapt it and um that's that's an exciting time that is so really it is about that customer journey or that customer experience of how they're going to interact with the technology like what its purpose is how it's making their lives uh easier or, or better or in some way different um I, I think that's uh, that's pretty cool. So I'm actually going to ask you another kind of question about your teams. So you just mentioned that you lead a team of 20 to 25 people. Um, as a leader, how do you inspire your teams to kind of bring their best work? I think for a leader to be an inspirational leader, you have to really be authentic. You have to care about people. You have to love leading people. You have to love um, see how they grow. For me, Every one of them who work for me, they are future CEOs. They're smarter than, better than I am, and they bet they should be because I'm only managing, they're actually doing. So for me, I look for potential. I look for somebody with unique talent, and I try to create an environment that um, fosters that, that everybody can see and they can build on, on it. Um, a vision is super important, so that's the anchor to everything. When you're trying to push your team to grow, to motivate them to grow, you have to have a vision where you're leading them. That's that's the key for a leader. Like, how are you going to do this? And, of course, um, lead by example. Uh, I go into trenches a lot. Like, I go on, uh, you know, implementation bridges. I do this, and I enjoy that interaction with my team. They know I'm here, and that they know I'm behind them 100%. I love to create an environment that where they can fail. I specifically give them sometimes assignments when they know it's a little bit of a stretch. And as a leader, you have to make sure that you give this opportunity for your team to um, fail safely and learn. I think that's what motivates, motivates me, just to see them grow. And one day I hope somebody will take over and I can do go and do something else and I'm waiting for that moment. That's awesome. I think that's uh, really great. I love what you say. A couple things there that I really love. Um, I love how you say your team might be smarter than you. Um, I think a big mistake that leaders can make is thinking that they have to be the smartest person in the room. Um, and you know, and I used to have, I had a leader um, a few years ago now, uh, and I know it's, it's not their saying or anything, but I always said, you know, like, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room. You hire good people. You let them do their jobs and you get out of their way. Um, so I think that's really great. I also like how you said giving people space to fail because I imagine it's a lot easier to kind of take calculated risks and try new things when you know that you're going to be supported by your leader if it doesn't go as planned, that you can fail and that uh, you probably get a better outcome by allowing people to do that because they're not afraid to to push the boundaries or to try new things. I, I look at this very... Um 
analytical perspective. So when people are happy and they grow, like those ones who you give opportunity to learn, they give you 150%. It truly is. It's so easy to manage them because the good leader, like a good teacher, does 10%, 90% is your team. You are as good as your team. It truly is. So you go and dream and, you know, inspire and create a vision, but let them execute. They know this. They do this every single day. Otherwise, you become a micromanager and your time is really reduced and your value is reduced. So for me, I've seen many times over that when you give them that opportunity to grow and fail, they give you back 150%. Retention rates are crazy. You just, you just retain the team and just continue grow. Like I say to my team that anything you want to do, let me know. I can make that happen for you. I don't know how, but I'll figure it out. And for the most part, I always do. That's amazing. That's awesome. And and actually just picking up on one other thing you said that I really like is the importance of actually having your vision and being able to clearly articulate what it is. Because there's nothing worse than trying to work someplace when you don't actually understand what the vision is or what it is that, that you even expected to do. So I think you've got some, uh, some great, uh, great points there about what, you know, really makes a, a, a great leader. Um, makes me want to be on your team too. Um, but I'm not a tech person. <laughs> I don't have the skill set you're looking for, unfortunately, but <laughs> you don't know what I'm looking for, but that's an interesting part. Everybody thinks that you have to put yourself in some skill. And I have uh, people who moved and it's a convent. I'm big on that. They wanted to learn one specific aspect and I just gave them an opportunity. It's not about knowing specifics yes there is that you have to know how to do forecasts you need to do do you know the paperwork and stuff but literally from the leadership perspective you can do anything you want i've had people with qa background with a business background that's what's exciting that's what makes your team better i try to hire people not like me because i think i'm a lot and i need somebody who is not like me variety and diversity is important to me I want to hear and see them and they need to be different because I don't want the same opinion. That's awesome. Right? And yes. And the vision to your point, vision, I think a lot of it in, uh, in places and sometimes you see how much it's lacking even for as a more senior leader you become, you see how important it is for you because the success of your team really depends on whether you have the vision and how you tell them of what's required to achieve that vision. And how do they know they're there? How do they know? Like, if you don't know where you're going, how do you know you've arrived? So, and that it's very easy goes into performance review. So your, your one-on-ones and performance is really no surprises. So if you have, if you go to a performance review and you people don't know what they're going to get, that is a not a good leadership, in my opinion. They need to know. They need to know and it needs to be clear so they can measure. It's not about how I feel today. It is... The results are, I mean, in the project management world, yes, it is easier because you either delivered project or not, but there is many things of it. So you want to come to my team? Come over. <laughs> I wonder if my boss listens to this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually want to step back for a second um, and just, I want to ask you, so you came to Canada, so you're, you're a new Canadian uh, or new to the country and you're a woman who is in a predominantly male driven industry. Um, I would like to know how that impacted you. Did it or 
was there anything you think being unique about being a woman and new to Canada in terms of how you were able to navigate your career? Yes. So let's just get it straight. I do not have an accent. I have no idea if anybody says that, so don't believe them. So yes, there are challenges, of course. So um, I don't know if I'm new Canadian. I've been here for 20 years. So maybe, not now. Um, technically not, not anymore. <laughs> I think I'm uh, a lot of me... I am Canadian, I consider myself Canadian, so my kids probably uh, more Canadian than uh, I could ever be, of course, they, <laughs> they were born here, but uh, when you come, um, of course there's cultural shock, of course there's expectations, especially for those who came uh, from a country that did not speak the same language, so there are biases in terms of whether you can articulate yourself, whether you can speak, there are biases, are you technical enough? I cannot tell you how many women I've met who've been in technology for many years and have a very good technology education, they still feel that they're not technical enough. And uh, for me, in the beginning, yes, it was that, that, you know, you have to be very careful, you have to be prepared, you kind of pull yourself up and say, okay, today I'm going to be at my best. But reality is, I realized when I started working at CBC, especially, I worked with a team uh, with a lot of uh, men in, in that team, and they've been with the bank for many, many years. I joke that even if I retire, I'm not going to be able to match how long they've been there. So, um, and uh, I needed to dig deep and understand that I wasn't hired to be the most technical on the team. That is not what I bring to the team. I have to hold on to my unique value proposition and unique spot. And every time when I would go for a position for an opportunity, I have to remind myself how much I've overcome. I have to remind myself that there's nobody else cares about my career more than I do. And the only limitations that you have is the one that you put yourself on yourself. So that's how I look at it. Every time, it actually energizes me now. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go and conquer the world. I'm going to make them all listen. I know my stuff so well. But it has taken me some time, of course, and some courage to come to that big round table. Well, it actually was square, but it's a huge room, lots of people, lots of serious men, and uh, walk there and just feel that air. Yes, they're waiting. Let's see what she's going to say. And again, a lot of it was in my mind, in my head, that, that they expect me to misstep. That's not true. That's not true. So far, I've been, everybody's been really, really open and helpful. And um, at some point, um, you tip the scale. You just, you just hold on to what you have and show them how you do it. And that's it. And one day you'll see you at the table and they pretty much want to hear what you can say. <laughs> I love that. I <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's a, the best way to look at it. And I like what you said, you know, like kind of having to get over it in your own head. Um, and, and I think that's, uh, and we talk about this a lot here, but, uh, you know, it's kind of like when people are applying for jobs and the women seem to think they have to check 100% of the boxes, which in job descriptions is a massive list of things that they, they think that one person should be able to do. Whereas men are more like, you know, 60%, I've got this. Where we're really, if, if, if the woman could just kind of get that out of her head and just put everything into it, um, she doesn't know where she'd go. So I, I even would say this. 
why would I apply for a job that I'm 100% qualified? Unless, I'm, of course, I'm jobless and I need to put food on the table. How long will I last before I start, like, becoming this woman that they all expect me to be emotional, meaning, like, when do I, like, I'm probably going to last months, two or three, and after that I want to do something else. Like, you're not doing yourself a favor if you're looking at that that way. And 80% is pretty much, like, the perfect match, right? So if you're really looking for growth, go for a position. That's what how I dig into my uh, emotions, into my feelings about the job. In fact, I, I say that emotional intelligence and all the emotions we have, it's in a structured data that we haven't been able to process just yet and articulate. But it's truly something that you understand and you go and thinking, oh my God, I have no idea. I'm so excited about this job. I know I can do it. I have no idea how, but I'll figure <laughs> it out. That's, that's how you should be looking for your next opportunity. At least that's my recipe. And I guess so far it's been working for me. Yes, it looks like it has. So I think that's a nice uh, segue, actually. I'd love to talk a little bit about Elevate. Um, so that's how we met uh, as an organization called Elevate that you're actually quite involved in, particularly the Toronto chapter. Um, I'd love to know if, if you can just tell us a bit about the organization and why you decided that that's where you wanted to get involved. Yes, so Elevate, I am very involved, I'm actually an executive uh, um, event lead there, and uh, at some point, um, uh, about two years ago, I started to look for my tribe. I realized that I just need a group of women who would challenge me, who would push me in different directions, who, who, help, who would help me grow. And I was actually looking for a very specific thing. I wanted to um, volunteer um, with nonprofit. I wanted to volunteer based on, like, offer my skill set. And I was looking to get on the board, and I saw an event, uh, event that uh, was talking about uh, how to get on board. So I am very, very picky. I'm very action driven. So if I spend my time, I want to make sure I get something out of it. I attended the event and that was one of the few events in many years that I took notes. I took notes. It was so um, well put together. It, uh, it was exactly what I was looking for. Uh, women were just ready to help uh, give exact um, uh, resources uh, down to the website, how you can go about that, talked a little bit how to position your resume, how to look. It was very, very well put together and it, there was a call for action to support and volunteer and I said, Evan, I just <laughs> raised my hand, uh, hand, I just ran to, to the lead and I said, I'm in. Like, that is the organization I was looking for. Somebody who actually gives women uh, good um, insight, actionable insight, not just let's talk about this a little bit and then you go and figure out how to get there, right? That actually somebody who gives that. And I spent a little bit more time trying to understand the organization. I've attended tons of events and I said, this is it. Uh, there's tons of resources. Elevate is just to give you an idea. It's over 40 chapters across the globe. 250,000 members <laughs> across the globe. That is your network. Connect to any woman you like. The great platform to connect to anyone. And uh, I said, I'm in. And uh, moreover, I want to help to bring more events to women. I am passionate about women getting into leadership. Listen, if I did it, like I 
could do it, everybody can do it. Really, there's no stopping. There are more talented women around me that I can count. Like uh, you, for example, it's like <laughs> amazing, amazing, um, you know, networker and, and amazing and podcaster. Like I am such a huge fan and run like girl, like amazing women. I'm so honored with to be, uh, you know, a monster. Oh my God, I'm like, that is amazing. That is talent, maybe different from mine, but there's so many talented women, but how do we help them shorten that time to get to the leadership? Because it took me a few years, like I guess 20 years from the time when they landed and here. Can we do it faster? How can I share that knowledge, that wisdom? And I decided that I'm going to put out some executive events. There's one coming out on April 15th. And I'm so, so excited about talking how we can showcase our strategic side, how we can showcase our technical side. How can we overcome those barriers that we put ourselves on ourselves? Like, what are the actual um, steps we can take and share it with as many women as I can. Well, I'm going to that event. I've registered for the April 15th one. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I can't wait. Thank you for your kind words about the podcast. We're thrilled to have you. You are absolutely fit right in with all the women that we like to, uh, to profile here. So I'm just so thrilled it worked out. So I have one final question of the formal kind of questions that I ask. And this is one we ask every single woman who has ever kind of come on the show. And that is that if you could go back to when you first started your career and have a conversation with yourself, what type of advice would you give? I would say start networking early. First of all, go on Google what network is. I guess you don't know because <laughs> Google wasn't invented back yet. But start asking people about them. Just have conversation with anybody you meet because it will broaden your horizon and it will help you uh, figure out what you want to do next so much faster. So that would be my advice. Like, be very curious about people, genuinely curious about people' journey, people's lives, and people' aspirations, and you would be surprised what you can find. Awesome. So now we're at something we like to call the Fast Three. It's a, a way to collect uh, information from all of our, our guests on what kind of they're reading, what they listen to. Um, so the first question here is, what's your favorite podcast or source of information? All right. So my favorite podcast is Run It Like a Girl. I've listened, I seriously, I've listened like seven or ten over the weekend. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I've listened to you before. Uh, frankly, I'm not, I don't have really much time because I have two kids, very active ones and uh, busy, busy work. But I try to learn as much as I can to broaden my horizon. So LinkedIn and The Morning Brew newsletter mm. are my favorites so the morning brew this is where i can say okay i read something i have no idea what that is but now i sound so smart let me go and talk about this or google what that means that really helps me kind of quickly understand tech news understand uh, you know business news and again start learning something else and linkedin i find that i could spend hours but just looking at some articles and then one article leads to another and another and another and then you are so deep and saying oh my god like I've learned so much and let me go and write about this or let me go research or I'm gonna do something else so it's a huge source for me of different projects that I do on the side just for my own growth and learning or helping others. 
That's awesome. And thank you. I like that you listen to my podcast. Um, and then I guess, what are you currently reading? Ah, that's a great question. I just finished uh, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And that's because I read in the morning brew about GameStop. And I'm like, oh my God, I want to know everything about it. I want to understand this. So coming from from former Soviet Union, of course, there was no business. There was no stock market. So I, I have a gap and I decided that's time to learn and teach my kids. And I just finished this book and I am starting on um, um, The Intelligent Investor. So the one that's been recommended by Warren Buffett. Just watch out. Maybe I'm going to be the next one. I don't know. Or maybe it's going to take me another 20 years to get there. (laughs) But I, I find it fascinating and now I'm learning and I'm so keen to pass on it to my kids. And the kind of next side project, something that... I, it's completely different from what I do for work. Yeah, that's that's great. I I love that. And if you ever um, if you're ever interested, I know uh, my friend listens to a ton of investment podcasts that where she gets information. She's kind of started just doing a little bit on the stock market, but she uh, invests uh, a lot of time into learning about you know which how to do it and 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 awesome i would love to because my husband and i was so big now oh we're gonna create a bot of course we have to go into technology he's a technologist <laughs> but okay let's just do a bot i'm like okay okay can we just learn first before we do anything like that but that's an exciting uh, part yes i would love to i will take you up on that offer awesome i'll get you some names um and then the final question is who is currently inspiring you i was thinking about this and uh, normally people would say, okay, somebody like Michelle Obama uh, or Barack Obama or somebody like that, very famous. And I think lately I've been inspired by our young generation. Oh my God. I just recently, I came across um, um, a guy. Um, so his name is Nick and he's very famous. He's a 22 year old without who was born without legs and an arm who is a motivational speaker he is a wrestler he is a bodybuilder and what he says is literally this that uh you know um a lot of people start with can't i start with how do i break that barrier and how do i get there but the most inspiring thing for me and him is how he networked and uh, he got on Tony Robbins show and it took him a year to get there you would think right he has a great story but he was persistent and he flew on his own dime and he didn't expect anything he was just called up all of a sudden like can you be there like in, in a day or two and he just dropped everything imagine how difficult it is for him what an inspiration and he says that he is so grateful for everything that happened to him. He's so grateful for every day and for support and the help he gets from everyone around. That's an inspiration. So next time when you don't want to get on that treadmill, think a little bit about that. When you think that you don't know how to network and it's so difficult and nobody helping you and it's impossible, start with how do I get there instead of I can't. 
fantastic. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> the, the new generation, like you look at them, it's just there's nothing that can stop them. It smarted, they learn fast. Like look at our kids. Don't you draw that inspiration every day? That that's what inspires me. Oh, it's incredible. It's incredible even just the things that they're doing where I think, well, I wasn't doing any of that when I was their age. This is uh, pretty incredible. So that's absolutely true. Um, well, Tatiana, I want to thank you so much for spending this last bit of time with me. It's been incredible hearing your story and getting your perspective on leadership and, and, uh, and everything. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. It was fun. Run It Like a Girl is hosted by Bonnie Moak. Brian Long is the producer. Web design and technical assistance provided by Dan Moak. And music courtesy of the talented Brooklyn Gillichuk.